everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Brendan and Ian. I'm Brendan Garland, and I'm a visual artist and creative. And I'm Ian Schaller. I'm a personal trainer and a philosopher. Brendan and I met at college in the Midwest, but now, living on opposing coasts, we keep in touch through phone calls, which we are sharing with you. As a podcast, phone calls is freeform, authentic, and natural, much as any conversation to a friend would be. Using mindfulness as our guide, we unpack our daily lives and travel across a spectrum of topics, which ultimately lead us back to mindfulness. As the listener, we hope our phone calls give you insight on how to allow yourself to simply be and live more consciously. Can, can we try something? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I was kind of just sitting here taking some deep breaths. I'm outside. Um, and I don't know, Randy and I have sat together sometimes and sort of just like taking some deep breaths and taking like a moment of silence uh, to sort of settle a little bit. So um, do you guys want to do that for like maybe like 60 seconds? Do you mind? Sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is totally not related to our topics today, but you know, I'm, I'll just throw it in here real quick. Um, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about like, just like taking moments between tasks throughout the day to like pause and just be like, Oh, I'm shifting onto this thing now. You know what I mean? And just like pausing for a moment and like seeing where you're at between each sort of marker in your day. And I've been trying to practice it more. And it's um, when I do it, um, you kind of just begin the task much more smoothly and like consciously. So, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why I thought it'd feel good to do that. Yeah, there's also something about doing that collectively as well. Mm. But I think they also talk about it in My Grandmother's Hands, that book. Mm. He talks about like doing, that's like a effective way to bring people together for a class or like if you're, you know, moving into like doing some kind of teaching exercise just to get, mm. to, you know, settle and then like really like embrace and like come into their body and stuff yeah 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 diana always practice or practice that pretty often even in the garden sometimes um because you get people that are like ready to jump into the work um when you're in a garden sometimes it's nice to just take it all in you know what have you guys been doing today i was telling brendan that i went to dance church this morning 
it is held at a lady's house in her studio and on her patio. I've been going there for the past uh, couple of months. Uh, I was sick in the month of January, so I missed a few weeks. Um, but it is really um, just so wonderful to be in the presence of people that are celebrating life and um, the joy of movement. And there's children there sometimes. So I, I, that's, I had the pleasure of doing that this morning. Mm. Brendan? Uh, just kind of been relaxing and working on some stuff, getting some stuff ready for a, a show that I'm opening on Friday. It's mm. called the, a locker show. So everybody's making a piece of artwork for the locker or like decorating a locker and then we're going to have like an opening and do that. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was at the garden and then the library this afternoon and then took a nap. So um, yeah, it was a really, really beautiful morning. Um, it's super nice here. I don't know about where you guys are at, but yeah, lovely weather. But hey, that's kind of a good segue. Um, <laughs> your art project. Yeah, so we can jump into that too. I'm, also, I'm working actually on like quite a few different art projects that like involve my body. Mm. Because yeah, I think I think I talked about this one last time during our little meeting. Mm -hmm. I was working on these kind of like figurative um, paintings where like, but I would just trace the outline of my body and, but I would take all the pictures for those nude. So then I was like, I wonder what it would be like to then create those same self portraits, but actually use the image. And so I started from like a film camera and then developed like took pictures and then developed this film and now I'm going to print those out and like layer the plastic bags on top of like on the back side of my body mm. and so there's that one which this and these are all kind of around still centered around like me trying to understand my connection to my body and queerness and uh you know, the disconnect that I feel between myself and my body. And then the other one that I'm doing is that we talked about is the, the dinner. And I'm the first one I'm doing this Thursday. So I'm a little bit nervous about that, but also pretty excited. But I'm having dinner, inviting people over to have dinner with me naked. And then the whole performance will be about two hours, but they'll share a recipe with me that they uh, either like is a family recipe or a recipe that they just really like. And then, um, then we're going to share that together. And then, yeah, just talk about all kinds of things. Talk about our relationship with our bodies and, you know, if that comes up in conversation or. <laughs> Sorry, <I'm past> <laughs> yeah 
So we're celebrating the body. That's why Randy played that music. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I thought about this book uh, that where a man celebrates his body, all the imperfections of it, and he's naked in the book. And I could remember his name, but I couldn't remember the name of the book. And what you were sharing just made me think about that. And I was like, maybe I can look it up on my computer right quick and, and say the name. But I, it was a little bit of a glitch there. So, but yeah, his name is Kimson Cooper. And uh, it's a really lovely, you know, book celebrating the naked body. How do you how do you spell it? It is K E M S O N. Yeah, I think this is it. Called "Love Yourself: A Body of Work." (laughs) It's a really neat book. I bought it some years ago. And, um, you know, of course, I love beautiful men's bodies, uh, beautiful people's bodies. Um, and he's just as um, so he seems so comfortable in his naked body. Um, and like I said, it's infirmities as well as its strengths. So, yeah. 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 The more that I get into this project. And I don't know if like you two have similar experiences, like relating to your body in just in various ways. But like the more that I get into this project, the more I'm like, what, where, like what, where do these ideas come from of like, what is, what our body is supposed to look like? And, you know, a lot of people talk about this, that like, that we should you know, celebrate the body that it's doing all these incredible functions for you, right? Like it's digesting things for you. It's, you know, keeping your little microbes on your skin that are, you know, like, just like keeping you moving and all this stuff and keeping you growing. And like, there's so many wonderful, beautiful things about it. But we like nitpick at like these really small things, you know, that are related to like appearance. But, but because we spotlight them, they become so like o- overwhelming, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about like how, especially like, yeah, for me, like, especially recently, like this disconnect I feel between like, or this kind of complication I feel around like having a penis and like what that means for me, because I don't know, it's always been like just a thing that has existed on me, uh, but it's not really a thing that I was ever like, that I ever felt like connected to. And so, yeah, so I was doing work before this about like if if I were to like have a vagina like if I was to be born with a vagina would I have then wanted a penis you know like what (laughs) is it just like 
is it just because there's this conflict in like my growth now and like my understanding of myself as a human or like what is that but that's kind of some of the ideas that I've been playing around with Hmm. I guess several things come to mind, um, but um, one of them I'll speak about is uh, I had um, some shame and yeah, just shame around my own genitalia, um, feeling that it was larger than normal. And I was afraid that people would tease me about it, uh, boys in the locker room or whatever. And that actually did happen um, or has happened in the past. Um, and so it took, it took a lot of years for me to um, accept my penis as it is. And I'm not a very sexually active person, but in the last year I have been practicing more self-love. So masturbation, uh, touching my bodies, you know, taking my time, pleasuring myself through touching my whole body because my whole body is a sex organ not just my genitals um and that for me has been very nurturing and healing and given me a greater appreciation for my penis seeing it as more than just something that's supposed to be used to you know fuck or <laughs> or do whatever um it is it is a part of me and it has it has been endowed with um these fine um mechanisms of sensory perception to deliver pleasure to our nervous system and granted some of that gets stripped away in circumcision um, as i've been learning about but nonetheless um there is the possibility for pleasure and delight in our bodies through the genitals as well as touch over the whole body. So it's, it can really be seen as a gift, I think. I was, uh, I was walking yesterday and I was talking to um, Brendan and I's common friends, Blake and Alan, and I talked to them a little bit about like having this podcast and um we had talked touched on just like how focused we are and how like over over how much we over sexualize uh the body and how um sensitized we we come to it because it's um because we focus so, so much on these individual spots on our body you know like our genitalia or like is our butt really big and nice or do we have like awesome abs like are we, are we like a really like hot body um but i love what randy is saying about how like the whole body has like this potential to receive love and receive touch and um receive like pleasure in this way because i don't think we we look at it that way and um I don't. I just feel like that's a, where a lot of this, you know, we hear the word toxic masculinity tossed around a lot these days, and I think that's a a huge part of it. Um, is this this separation, this like cutting up of the body, um, and like this maybe like this like cutting up of like the psyche and um, identifying with certain parts and not others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Ian, I, I appreciate what you what you shared about the cutting up of the body into parts and pieces and um and the focus, the hyper-focusing on certain parts of the body as, as if they are, I don't know, um, I don't know what to call them, but they're these parts that everyone looks to to determine if you're attractive, if you're appealing, as if that is what we are. It's like, I am more than my body, <laughs> so much more. I'm more than even my mind, my intellect, so much more. But I think that this, I'm gonna call it commercialization of the body has been intentional. I think that our capitalistic society here in the West has determined that sex sells and the sex, the, if, if the product has the potential to increase your sex appeal, then people will buy it. And so they are using the body as a sex symbol, as a tool to entice people to buy things that will supposedly add to who they are, what they are, to attract the ideal mate or partner or whatever. And in truth, I was reading this article, it's like the clothed body can be much more sexualized than the naked body. So if we were, everyone was naked and we lived our lives naked, you know, we were in a climate that supported that and it was okay to be naked, <sighs> seeing a penis or a vagina or, or breasts, women's breasts or whatever, or butt, or it would be like nothing. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, that's different. Oh, oh wow, okay. But it's like, not a big deal. Is it about sex? No, that's their naked body. I mean, we all have one. But when we cover up portions of it with a little bathing suit, a little skimpy little bathing suit or a tight t-shirt, like I like to wear sometimes, a little tight t-shirt to showcase our muscles and through the shirt, then it's like, oh, what's underneath that shirt? Oh, I wonder what's underneath that. So there's this allure to the covered and the veiled. Um, to attract whatever we think we need or want in another person. And it's very much used, I think, to sell, to sell to us and we buy. We buy perfume, we buy deodorant, we buy underwear, sexy clothes we think are sexy. It's, yeah, it's, it's really quite interesting. Yeah. And all those things like, they have to, for any of those things to be marketable or sellable, they first have to like sell the idea essentially that like you're lacking in something, you know? Because if these companies were actually telling people, it, if we lived in a, in a culture that like valued, you know, becoming more in tune with your body and, you know, um, embracing the imperfections that everybody has uh there wouldn't be any marketable things to sell us on because we'd be like wow, <laughs> you know i feel good exactly what do i need it's like i don't really need anything uh, <laughs> yeah um, 
Randy, I talked about self-love a moment ago and it's like, I think oftentimes people will sort of like jump from relation to relationship to relationship because they need a sexual partner more than like a life partner or someone that they just want to bond with. I mean, physical touch is important from another human being. Don't get me wrong. Um, immensely important. However, I think like, um, you can, you can please yourself like on your own. If you just spend time in your own body with your own body, uh, not looking to other sources, other people, or, you know, like pornography and all these things, you just get into your body, and um, explore in that area. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's vastly important. It's another thing that they use that is used to sell the body. There's also so much shame around like any kind of like self pleasuring activity, like for anybody. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what genitals you have, like <laughs> there's so much shame around that idea, you know? that like you it's like a gross or like taboo thing to do you know mm -hmm. and it's like that that's just part of like being a human being you know is and especially like if you really do it to like connect with yourself it's it's incredible like how powerful it can be in that way when you are you know like you were saying earlier Randy like really getting in touch with all the different parts of yourself and like the different, you know, areas of touch and sense on your body and the way that like you're responding to those things. And that's also like an incredibly healthy part of being in a relationship too, because the things that you're bringing through that, like self-discovery, you're bringing that into your relationship and you know, then the like sexual chemistry between you and your partner is only enhanced, be, like, you know, through that. So, mm -hmm. but we don't talk about this <laughs> in many places. So <laughs> that's a very good point, Brendan. Um, there's a quote in this magazine I received monthly called Go Naked uh, magazine. And, uh, yeah, it's um, mostly, I think men are the audience um, and probably more gay or queer men, but um, I forget who said the quote, but the quote is, quote says, the only shame in masturbation is not doing it well. <laughs> so if you masturbate the same way all the time, that's a rut, that is a pattern. There's a goal in mind that you have, get ejaculate, get off as fast as I can. Uh, because, you know, when we were kids, we had to do it and felt, felt we had to do it in secret. So our parents wouldn't know. So you, you, you know, masturbate, jack off just as fast as you can and be quiet. Don't make noise because people will hear. So we're holding our breath, doing it fast. And that becomes a pattern that can persist and greatly reduces the degree of pleasure that we can experience because there is no breath, there is no time, and there is the, the shame, like I'm doing something that's sort of forbidden, 
but nobody's around. So it's okay because nobody can see me, but still we're holding our breath. We're doing it quickly. Um, there's a goal in mind to, to ejaculate. And then what? Oh, now I can go to sleep or, oh, I feel less stressed. But it's like, oh, is that, that's the extent of it, huh? Hmm. Randy, I'd love to ask you, um, I think it's safe, to, safe for me to say that um, amongst all the people that I know, which, you know, it's not like a ton or anything, I would say you are the person that's like most comfortable in your sexuality and like open to talk about it. Um, and you do so eloquently and with a sense of wisdom. Um, and I would love to hear about how that journey of like sort of opening that doorway and stepping through and becoming your authentic self with your um, sexuality, how that's changed you. Hmm. Well, thank you for the question, Ian. Um, and I feel very much like I'm still mid journey <laughs> um, because as a teenager, you know, growing up when I began to realize that I was attracted to other boys my age, um, I, I was afraid that that was not acceptable. I mean, I knew what it meant to be gay, but I didn't identify as gay because that wasn't acceptable. I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm African-American, that, that's just not really okay in, in those circles. So I tried to date girls and I convinced myself that I liked them. And I probably did like them in certain ways, but not in the sexual way. So um, for me, my biggest fear was um, being expected to perform sexually with a girl that I was dating um, and not measuring up, not being able to get it up because that my orientation was not heterosexual. Um, so yeah, it, it was, um, I, I did not have sex with any of my girlfriends, no penetrative sex. Um, we would kiss and, you know, there'd be heavy petting, but, um, I did not press for sex. And my excuse was, well, you know, we're Christians, we're going to save ourselves from marriage. And that was supported by the church. So I sort of had, um, an out in not going there fully. But um, one day I met a woman that I just knew was my soulmate. Uh, something about her that just, I felt very drawn to. And lo and behold, she liked me back. Um, most of the girls I tried to date, they might like me a bit in the beginning, but then uh, they would dump me. And so, and, and there were some exceptions, but, but um, this woman and I liked each other. And she was a woman who was a bit older than me, also African-American. She had sexual experience. I still had none. I was a virgin. And um, we, during our dating period of less than a year, um, we kissed heavy petting, but no sex because we're going to save ourselves for marriage. And I'm thinking, okay, this is good. This is good. I'm saving myself. And finally, I'm going to get to see, you know, how this works. How does this, this sex work? Is it really that great as they make it out to be on TV and stuff? So on our honeymoon, um, you know, we 
we um, checked into this beautiful place in Georgia, a little retreat, and and my wife was ready. She was like, I am ready, finally, I'm ready. <laughs> and it was disastrous. It was absolutely my worst um, moment I felt. It was um, shocking to me to be face-to-face with this, my wife's um, genitalia. I had never seen a vagina, smelled one, touched one. And here I am face-to-face with this and expected to like um, do things with it. And unfortunately, I didn't know those things about myself. I didn't know how how to um, even become aware of what my body's attractions were. There was just no exposure to women's genitalia um, and pretty much no exposure to men's genitalia either. I didn't have same-sex sexual relations either prior to that time. And I was like 26 at that, at that time. So, um, and interestingly, I had told my to-be wife while we were dating uh, on our first date, I think, that I had these feelings of attraction to men, but I had never acted on them and I didn't know what it meant. So despite that conversation, that was not um, uh, a red light or red flag enough for us to say, hmm, maybe we need to get some counsel about this. Or what does, you know, we, um, we're both intelligent people, you know, as far as the intellect goes, but the, I don't know, the common sense or whatever, I, I just, it, world experience, I don't know, it was seen, seems lacking. <laughs> so I'm, I'm now 57. So that um, marriage that I was in um, was never fulfilled uh, sexually. I was never fulfilled. My, my ex-wife was never fulfilled sexually. So that was a source of shame for me as a man. Um, uh, and it, 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 it all came back to my ability to accept myself. Can I accept who I am as a man who has attractions to other men? I like women, but I seem to like men maybe more. What does that mean? What, can I explore that? Can I give myself permission to explore that? And I wish that I had been able to. I really do. I would not have chosen that path that I chose of being in a marriage for 12 years that was stressful to the max, um, trying to figure things out. I, I would have chosen a different path, but I, I stopped myself from getting to know myself because of the societal norms, my religious beliefs, um, expectations of parents, and others. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. When, so when, at what point did you kind of make that journey into like, fully accepting yourself and how did that go? Yeah, I was, um, I was about 39. Um, yeah, almost 40. 
And I actually started to have, I had had, you know, I had gone, I actually, my, my then wife um, sort of pushed me to look into ex-gay therapy. And so I actually went to an ex-gay counselor, a support group, read books, went to conferences, this Exodus Ministries, to try to change who I, that part of me, because they said that it, that it was possible. And I was desperate for my marriage to work. I, I wanted it to be successful. I wanted to have a family and all of that. So I was willing to, to undergo that, uh, to try that. And it was um, not at all as advertised. The men were miserable. I thought, they are miserable. They're trying to suppress their their attractions, their passions to be heteronormative, and they're miserable. And I will not live like that for the rest of my life. If God, they, if they say God can change this, then God needs to get on it because I'm not going to live this conflicted, painful life. <clears throat> so yeah, I tried that. I stuck with that for five or six years, I would, I would guess. <clears throat> and uh, finally, through the support of a really good therapist and um, some an, an intervention by this couple, a Jewish couple that was helping me with my business. I had a dental practice then. Um, and so they were wanting to help me figure out what blockages was I experiencing that was not allowing me to experience financial success and abundance in my dental practice. And they said, well, you're the, the, the head of that company. So what is it what are you thinking? What are your feelings? What is it in you that might be blocking your financial success? And it came down to my view of myself. I felt ashamed of the kind of husband that I was, a failure. Mm -hmm. I felt uh, I didn't value myself in certain other ways. So that couple really helped me to take a closer look um, at myself. And, um, and then fi the final straw was I started to have physical symptoms of ulcers. And I, was, I am someone who greatly values my, my health and wellness. <clears throat> so I love, you know, to be physically active. I eat, you know, I like to eat well enough to feel good. Mm -hmm. So when I started to have this physical, you know, ailment in my body and I had to go see a, a doctor about it, that was the final straw. I said, no, this is not okay. When my health starts to be affected, this is not okay. This stress that I'm under is not okay. And I have to do something. So I, I reached out to um, a man who um, supported me in coming to grips with the part of me that is attracted to men and the part of me that also is very much in love with God and, and all things spiritual. That's always been a part of me since I was a little boy. I've always loved the church and spirituality. But the thought of divorcing myself from God and spirituality so that I could pursue a, a gay lifestyle, that was, that was, that was not uh, appealing. Mm. I wanted to be whole. I wanted to have have it all, you know, yeah. and this man helped me to see that, you know, you are perfect as you are. And God is big enough 
and he created all of this, God, he, she, whatever, created all of this. So how can God call anything in God's creation um, unacceptable, ugly, wrong? And that just helped me so much to come to the point where I could begin to accept myself as I was, love this part of myself, and begin to explore connecting in intimate ways with people of my same gender. Mm. Very like courageous story too. It's it's amazing to me the power that stress has on our body. Um, talking about like your the ulcers that were happening um, with you, Randy. Like that's wow. You had that much internal tension that your body's like rejecting. <laughs> yeah yeah i had no idea the level of stress anxiety and shame that i was carrying and you know ian the month it was a december december of um, 2004 the month that i just told my wife that i was divorcing her i moved out at the end of that month into a little apartment. I couldn't afford much, you know, because I'm paying the mortgage on the house and now I got to find another place of my, of my own. Um, but it was a little apartment in a not great area of the town, but it was mine. And it was such a blessing to have my own space and peace. Um, but let me see, there was a point I was, I was wanting to make about this. Um, oh, um, when I, when I, uh, the next month, it was January, and I went up, I walked um, up the street to a little furniture store that I would like to go and browse, and the owners knew me. They had been patients on and off, and when they saw it, they took a look at me, and they said, Randy, what, what, what happened? What, what's going on? And I'm like, um, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you just look totally different. I mean, it just looks so like rested and so calm and just so, I don't know. It's just like this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I must have looked like a train wreck for the last 10 or 11 years. <laughs> it, I mean, it was that apparent to people. They did not know anything about what had happened in my personal life, but they took a look at me and said, whoa, and I was like, wow, I don't ever want any relationship or anything that I'm forcing upon myself to try to conform to, to stifle, to, to so squelch that, that glory, that light, that brilliance that is supposed to shine through each of us. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. This, this like heteronormative view of a relationship, I feel like is detrimental to everybody. Like not only does it, it like, I was just thinking about this, like not only does it like reinforce that like 
being a, in a straight relationship is the norm, but it also it is, is incredibly harmful for like people in a, a uh, straight relationship. Like, cause it creates these boundaries around what roles uh, men and women are supposed to play in the, you know, in that partnership. And when you were telling your story, I think that this is something that I've also heard a lot of other, like your story about your relationship. This is something that I've heard a lot of other men uh, who are in relationships with women talk about as well, that they feel that they're, that there's like some, you know, kind of expectation that they have to fulfill. And if they don't fulfill that expectation, they're not going to be seen as, you know, man enough. And it almost reduces their, this sense of self, you know, talk about like what Ian was saying, cutting up yourself, you know, talk about like, that is like an incredibly detrimental way of reducing yourself to like one, um, you know, aspect that your whole life is built around like, being a man and providing for a woman in whatever way that may be, you know, financially or sexually or whatever, like, and if you don't fulfill that, then you're told like by these societal views that we have that you're not enough. And then if you're not enough, you're essentially nothing because that is what your entire life is built around, you know? And <laughs> So, like, I think that, I mean, I am, you know, pansexual and interested in, like, I find everybody attractive, but I love the, like, ideas of, like, queerness that people put forth in, like, queer relationships and how that is, like, a model for the future um of relationships not only just not only for you know gay or lesbian um or bisexual people but also for straight couples you know that they don't have to exist in these rigid structures anymore and that they can you know flow through roles and support each other in a myriad of different ways you know mm -hmm. yeah that's beautifully said brendan I, I do, I, I agree with what you say about the boxes that um, society and tradition puts men and women in. And, you know, the woman should stay home. She should raise the kids. She, you know, shouldn't do these things. Um, the man should be the one who does this. <laughs> yeah, it's um, very confining and limiting. Um, and I'm the 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 dance that I dance church I go to now. There's a a woman there who the facilitator, and she just ended you know her marriage, and that marriage was like that for her, very restrictive. The the husband had certain views and certain ways that the family should be and how she should be, and she tried to conform to that to be the good wife, and she felt herself just withering up inside, and so through support 
she began to find her own glory as a woman, as a queen. <laughs> she says, I'm a queen, you know, um, that she is all the things. She has the masculine, divine masculine and the divine feminine within her. So she doesn't need a man to complete her or to give her validity or authority or any of that. She has all of that. She can choose to be with a man who compliment who compliments her and supports her and whom she can do that with as well. And I've just seen her blossom in the last, you know, nine months since she has left that relationship. It's just amazing how her life is changing. And she's attracted a, 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 a man into her life, a new man who might become something more. It's still early, but I just love seeing her so fulfilled and happy and walking in her power and exercising her gifts. I mean, that's what we're here for. And I think, you know, ultimately, if you, if you, if you really, um, if you really look at, you know, this question, who are we, you know, who am I, what am I? You know, if you think you're a, a wife, I'm a husband, I'm a student, I'm a dentist, I'm a, you know, gardener, I'm a, a child, I'm a father, I'm a mother. If you identify yourself by all these roles, that that will change. It is going to change. It's impermanent. So it's like, what, what is there that lasts? What is there within us that endures through despite all the physical, emotional, relational changes? That that is that's the gold. I mean, that is what really connects us and is so beautiful with any human being. The physical form, you know, that can be nice. But if that's all you got, that don't cut it. It's like there needs to be more. There's something more within us. And I think it's our responsibility to explore that, to to be open to find out what that is. And it does take courage, as Ian mentioned earlier, to be willing to look within because you don't know what you're going to find. And we think it's going to be something awful, but it's not. We're created in God's image. How could anything within be awful? Yeah. And it's also scary because it's not fixed. Like, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> like, like you were saying when we met the other day, you know, you, you were thinking about like who, you know, Ian asked you this question, like just describe, you know, who you are. And you're like, <laughs> who am I? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. It's so easily. Just, <laughs> yeah. Because it's really like, who are we is a lifelong journey, you know? I mean, I don't really think that you can fully understand who you are until like the moment before you die, because then you're going through, you no longer cease to exist or you're, you no longer exist in the physical human form anymore. And, you know, whatever happens after, uh, you know, is what's going to happen. And so 
but you no longer exist as that human. And so then you can maybe look back and, you know, reflect on everything and you're like, oh, maybe that's who I was, you know, just <laughs> of all these things. But <laughs> it's, it is scary to think about or challenging even to think about on a daily basis because we're always constantly changing and absorbing more information and, you know, mm. re-reflecting on beliefs that we thought we had and then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> coming coming to terms with things that maybe we hadn't addressed before and, you know, all those things like weave through each other. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love what you said, Brendan, um, about reaching the end of your life and only at that point being able to maybe look back and, and glimpse the arc of your life and the things that were most important in your life. And um, when I was thinking about this call, it brought to, and that question that Ian asked me, you know, who is, who is Randy? Who is, who? I was like, I don't, I don't know who I am. It's like, you're talking about what do I do? You know, people say, what do you do? Like, like what I do is really something like what I do is really who I am. It's like, does that got to do with the price of tea in China? What I do? It's like, <laughs> but I, I was thinking about this book that I bought years ago It's on my bookshelf. And the title of it is, who do you think you are? And I thought, I love the title because that question can be posed with inflections on different parts of the word. And the way that I have heard it growing up was, well, who do you think you are? Like, you think you're all that? And so I have had a lot of fear of being seen as thinking I'm all that. So I want to try to play a little bit small so people won't be threatened. So they'll like me. Who do you think you are? I don't want them to say, well, who do you think you are? And I'm just like, wow, that's what I've been doing. But I think the way the author was really asking the, asking the question is, who do you think you are? Because like, what matters is what you think, not what they, not what mama, not what daddy, not what the, the minister who do you think you are? And it's, it is that moment to moment walking into the unknown that you speak about at the end of our material lives here. We will go into this unknown. None of us knows what's that going to be. But we have the opportunity each moment of each day to walk by faith, not by sight not to limit what we choose to do, how we choose to be by all these rules and strictures, but to listen within to the wisdom of the body, the heart, and act on that. And let that move us in such a way that we are indeed walking into the unknown. And it, it, it can be scary but I think it's so much more enlivening as well. And I'm not, I'm saying all of this because I believe it doesn't mean I'm doing it, but it is my, it is my earnest desire to, to do that. Yeah. I, I, I often kind of think about, you know, there's, there's those people that, um, you know, they prefer to have like their goals sort of picked out from themselves. 
and they'll, you know, they'll do stuff to like manifest it, you know, they'll like really like picture it in their head and uh, make like these dream boards and everything to like make that come to fruition. And I, I've always had a really hard time doing that. And I, I always had like this like huge guilt around it too, because, you know, you're told you're supposed to like have goals and you're supposed to know who you are and who you want to be. Um, and <laughs> fixed thing and it's like you, you pick it and then you're going to go after it and you're going to get okay <laughs> it's super simple well guess what i don't I, I don't know who i i don't know what i want and the most beautiful part of my life my entire life has always been stepping into the unknown and seeing like oh, what's here and just being really present for it and being really alive in that moment like right now like all these things you're saying, like my heart's like melting and warming up and melting and like warming up, like as you're saying, because you're speaking to something in me that doesn't care about all of those other things. You know what I mean? He doesn't care about uh, the, what ego thinks it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so thanks for melting my heart, Randy. <laughs> no, that's beautiful, Ian. Thank you for sharing your your heart with with us because I. I so resonate with you about the vision boards and the writing out the vision and going for it. I mean, I did that. I did do that. Not because somebody told me I just did it as a boy. I said, I'm going to be a dentist. I'm going to be a dentist. Why? I don't know. I'm just going to be a dentist. So I worked hard in school, made the grades, got scholarships, got into the schools that I needed to get into, became a dentist and found out okay, I thought I could work for this person, but oh, they're getting on my nerves. I think I just have to open my own practice. So I opened my own practice. Oh, boy, now I have arrived. Beautiful. I got patients coming in and I got this marriage that I'm contending with. And then I got these bills that I have to pay. And I'm just like, oh my God, I have arrived and I'm about to go crazy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was so I'm so grateful that I got to fulfill that longing and that vision and that desire. And I got to see, wow, there is more. This is not it. It was good and it's not enough. There's more. And I was willing to let it all go and go look for more. And I'm still opening up to more. So yeah, it doesn't, it, it's, it's, I don't see it as a fixed goal. Um, yeah, we get to keep choosing. Yeah, and I think that's so important to actually go after it. To like, there's sort of a moment that your soul like fools you or something, or you know, like your higher self like fools you into thinking, yeah, that is it. Yeah, you have that's that's the one. Go out, go <laughs> up, and that'll be it. And but you you like have to do it to realize that it's not it. And, and I think I I talked to my friend Alex about this a lot because, um, you know, he, he's raising a family now, you know, he has like, um, a fiance and a baby and he, he's sort of in the same place where I am where we're like, you know, what job am I going to do now? Like, who am I going to be now? You know, it's like, I kind of got to pick one because like life, you know, (laughs) um, bills, I got to eat my baby's got to eat all this stuff. and it, it becomes really important in the moment, you know, when you're like filling out applications or you're like paying a bill or something like that. And then somewhere along the line, you get like a reminder, like, hey, 
that's not you. You know, you're not just that. So like, take a deep breath, come back to here and now. Um, but it's this weird game we play of forgetting and remembering. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I love it, forgetting and remembering. Uh, because it happens in meditation. When I sit in meditation, I sit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to, I'm gonna listen to my breath or feel my breath. I'm gonna be present this moment. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so on it. I am so on it today. Boy, I'm present. Mm, feeling then the mind starts wandering. And I'm like, oh. How long have I been thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow? Oh, let me come back. So it's like forgetting, remembering, forgetting. It's like, this is our life. This is, this is meditation. This is the practice. Keep remembering, keep coming back to this present moment and asking the question again. Now, who am I? Now, now who, who, who do I think I am? Yeah, I love the the example of meditation because it is so like it's so related to like what Ian's talking about, you know, because it's like at some you'll be doing things, you know, you say you're like living part of your life and you're like you're fully present. And you're like, wow, this is like, you know, this is really good. I'm like into it. And then like, you know, one day you'll just look up and you'll be like, how long have I like been living like somebody else's like version of my life, you know, like these things that I thought were so important. And then you just look up and you like reflect on it, you know, come back to the present. And then you're like, wait a minute, like, what have I been doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like a, a sort of full circle moment of this relating to how we started this conversation today of just like taking a moment and um, remembering, remembering again. Um, yeah. So I think that was, that was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. I cannot believe I was so nervous about this call. I haven't done a podcast before. And I'm just like, I just start the nerves started coming on, setting in about an hour and a half before. I was like, oh, it, the nerves are coming. I feel them. I don't know how, I, what if I don't have all the answers? Oh, they don't ask me too hard of a question. What if I sound stupid? Oh, but it's just been so natural and easy to share myself in these conversations with you, you people, you beautiful humans, you amazing creations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I mean, thank you for coming with like your full honest self and sharing these, you know, beautiful, amazing, like, you know, uh, difficult stories. And yeah, I really, I mean, I could probably keep talking on this call for like another three hours. So <laughs> I think yeah. it's been really amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you so much, both of you, for having me and 
the feeling that I might have something of value to share with your audience. Yeah, this was uh, hands down, I think my favorite one we've done. Um, this was just such a, I just felt it so much in my body, which makes sense because we were talking about bodies a lot. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say that I love you both and uh, thank you for sharing this this conversation with me. Yes. I love you too. I love you both too. Both of you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. We'll definitely have to do another one sometime because, or just yeah. jump on a call sometime because like, <laughs> yeah. a lot more yeah. things I want to get into discussing. So, yeah, we'll do it. It would be my, be my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Have a beautiful evening, you both. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.